This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Friday night, I got my buddy Will Allred on the screen. We've got the uh, the dynamic duo. We've got Charlie McElvey and Daniel Calvin. It's going to be a super heroic night, and we are going to get into things. Now, Will and I, when a, a legend passes, we, we like to say a word or two, usually in the comic uh, industry, but we just lost Tony Bennett at 96, and Will was saying that he was going to sing three songs for us as we go out tonight. He didn't tell me which ones, but uh, he's got his tea with him. So, Will, absolutely, we're going to give you your time. Your, whatever the okay. three songs are, you, when we get to that, we're all just going to wait and see. But uh, Tony is a legend. You got... I, I, if, if I make it to 96, I've probably been here 20 years too long, but God bless him. Uh, and and we, we, we love the people that gave us entertainment for most of our lives. So, yes. Tony, love you. Yep. Um, Will, besides losing, losing uh, you know, the guy you're going to sing, uh, yeah. how has your week been? <laughs> it's been a pretty good week, sir. Pretty good week. Um, any week with comics is a good week, right? Absolutely. And we've already got Joey Galvez in the chat. Joey, we're doing hey, good. Joey. How goes it with you? 
Um, as we usually start off, we do a little 30 second pitch on both campaigns that we have on the show. Uh, Charlie, if you could give us like if, if we were walking past your booth at, um, you know, none of us are at San Diego Comic Con. Um, but um, if you were and I was running past your booth to get to the movie stars that are not there, um, how would you get my attention about Spider Squirrel and Trash Panda? Hey, so yeah, the Spider Squirrel Trash Panda Titan-sized uh, special is out there now. It's uh, a minimum of 80 pages, up to 100 pages, uh, at no additional cost for backers and stretch goals. Uh, this comic is is fun. It's uh, it's fun, funny. It's a buddy cop action comedy in the vein of a Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. It brings back a a, a good bit of that wahaha, you know, uh, superheroism takes nothing seriously, uh, really enjoy it. Um, I, I love it. It's also pseudo autobiographical where I put elements of my own life and, and history into the book. So some of the stories are certainly framed out wildly, uh, but if you pared it down to the essence, you, you'd find my life in the books. Are, um, are, you, are you Phoenix Jones, the real life superhero from <laughs> Seattle, I think? It's Seattle, yeah, no. That is most definitely not me. I'm on the East Coast. So okay, all right. uh, it's nice and late over here. But yeah, uh, so that's the book in a nutshell. This, um, it's a uh, brand new Spider Squirrel Trash Panda uh, adventure, 24 pages. So it's a full comic uh, in the front and in the back is uh, in the vein of some of the 80 page giants of old, um, an anthological walk through the Zion universe. So you meet a bunch of new characters, including a, a new creation by Dean Haskell uh, in this very volume. First appearances all over the place in these anthology, um, anthological stories. So. Lots to be had at a really good price, so check it out. Awesome, and Daniel, same same question. How, how would you uh, get me into Rook and Knight? Or uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my eyes are bad. Rook. I, I, all of a sudden, I said Rook B Knight. I'm like, is that a name? Rook and Knight. Uh, as I walk past your booth at San Diego Comic Con next year, because we're all meeting there, right? Hopefully, I, I said my brain right now is going maybe 2025 if I'm lucky, but like hopefully 2024 if I can pull it off because I got plans already for. It's probably up my PTO, nice. but anyway, uh, recognize the story of a father and son vigilante duo waging a brutal war on crime, except they're starting to fall apart at the seams as a team, and it could happen at the worst possible time because there's a drug running through the streets of New York, which is giving like low level thugs some really high grade superpowers. So, can their partnership survive? Can they survive as the expansion of the, what I'm calling the Liberty Verse, which started in American Dreams, which is what my flagship book. So. I'm going to catch up here for everything that's been in that Liberty Verse so far, including American Dreams and Night Wrath. That's awesome. So we usually go into a deep dive, but we've got two creators who are building superhero universes. So I, I and, and we're going to get to the deep dive, but let's kind of talk about um, your, your superhero writing origin story. What comic, I'll start with you, Daniel, what comic, were you introduced to the superhero genre with? And if that's the one that grabbed you, great. After that, what's the one that grabbed you and you know by the throat and just said, "This is this is what you're going to want to do." So my dad had like this treasury of like comic book or comic book articles or something, and it had in it like the Golden Age Superman, Batman origin. So that was really the first little comics I read. And I was growing up, my mom was like, no, he's not reading comics, he's reading real books. And it didn't her, her help that I was reading by the age of four, so mm -hmm. I'm reading real books. Um, but my dad had left over from when he was a kid in the 60s, his Silver Age comics. So those were my first comics, like the Silver Age Justice League, some Silver Age Batman and Superman. They were in a condition when I got them, they're in terrible condition now. Um, 
but those were really were my comics growing up and and a couple graphic novels here and there but what really got me started was 2010 it was a blizzard i was home from college i'm bored on my mind i go i'm gonna write a superman film script and i discovered comicsology and it just really snowballed from there <laughs> okay. and that comicsology is really a relic but now i have you know all these comics you know movies. hey for a while there comicsology was you know the bees knees it was it was amazing it, it was just, wonderful you know the the guys who created it they were like well let's sell it and they they did and i and i understand why and the people who bought it were like let's kill it let's kill it um and, and they well but um and they okay. did so charlie what is what is the comic that you, you first read in the superhero genre and the one that kind of uh took, took you and said this is your this is your deal yeah, it's funny. Um, I actually had this. Uh, it's been a while since somebody asked me that on a podcast. Uh, it's it, it was DC Comics presents. I forget the issue number. You can Google it. Um, but the cover grabbed me and my grandmother. I was so guys watching. I'm old, so I bought comics from Seven Eleven and pharmacies. So um, we were in a pharmacy. I don't yeah, somewhere in Norfolk, Virginia, and my grandmother. I saw this comic book and I had to have it because it was Skeletor pointing a power sword at Superman, charging Superman to attack He-Man um, and Castle Grayskull's in the background. And I was like, oh. and so my grandmother bought it for me. It was, I don't know, it was expensive. It was like 60 cents. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I mean, I traced over that book. I drew on the book. I mean, I just, I read that thing over and over and over and over and over again. And um, I started making the daily jaunt to, so that was the one, right? Um, started making a daily jaunt back and forth to 7-Eleven on my own as like seven, eight year old kid with, you know, nickels in his pocket um, and started buying DC Who's Who's. Uh, and I was just voraciously reading them. I have every one that I've ever purchased. Now the covers oh, wow. are half fallen off and stuff. I still have them downstairs in my library, but uh, yeah, so that was, that was it. I was sold. Um, and so comics, superhero comics was the thing. And I, Did he pause for you guys too? Yeah, I think we lost yep. Charlie for oh. a second. Oh, he's back. Oh, we, okay. We back. Lost, yeah, but um, son of a motherless goat. My kids are streaming. My son's gaming. That's what's going on. So <laughs> we all decide. If, if anybody freezes, we all decide that they just said the most amazing stuff. So it was so I, profound. I, your your brain's gonna explode. So I can't. Re I yeah, I'm sorry you guys missed it. But, uh, I'm both dumber <laughs> and more intelligent for having heard. That. Uh, now. I was just saying I didn't get into other genres until um, ElfQuest, I think, was the first, you know, venture out um, into uh, for comics anyway. So, yeah. So, Will, Will, I think I think you've said this on the thing, but but uh, what, what was the first comic that you you ran into? Uh, I think it was an, ep uh, an issue of Green Lantern where he's falling out of the plane and Green Arrow is about to shoot him in air because I'm old too, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think any of us are, are that young here, guys. I mean, <laughs> but well, Dan's a kid. I, <laughs> yeah, There's a, I look like a kid. I don't know. I'm in my early 30s, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're a kid. Okay, so three of us you're are old, and one of us is not. Got it. <laughs> 30. Oh my god. Early 30s. <laughs> I'm staring down 35. So. <laughs> Um, so you green, green lantern, you I got three DC boys here. I'm the only Marvel zombie of the group. Huh? All right. Well, that's, well, fair. But that's it, it, it's funny because that was the first book I got, but I, 
I remember having, they used to do these thing called subscriptions, uh, children. You could order a comic and it would be delivered to you every month from the company. It was this wild thing. Polybagged and everything. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) But yeah, I had Avengers. I mean, I was reading uh, the Claremont X-Men from about, you know, like the one eighties. And mostly it was just, it was, I was mostly a Marvel, Marvel zombie, you know, Roger Stern, David, I can never pronounce Michelini, Michelini, never pronounce his name. You know, Mark Grunewald, those guys, those, oh. the, those journeymen, they, they were, they, they knew how to tell a good solid story in 22 pages and they got in and they got out. And I mean, they're so, I, I feel like they don't necessarily get the respect that they deserve. You know, I mean, Again, you know, we have comics has Neil Gaiman, comics has Alan Moore, you know, comics has all these, you know, stellar, but these guys, they they did it and they did it well and they did it for a very long time, you know. And dude, and you mentioned Grunwald. I, I I just I was just on a show last week and I was talking about Grunwald and Squadron Supreme, and I was like, oh my, that that book was mind blowing to me because your point before we got on the show, Kevin, about you know can superheroes do these things? Can they kill? Can they die? Can they, whatever. And Squadron Supreme said, Oh, hold my beer. Right. I um, mean, it, it was <laughs> so good. Yeah, no, yeah we, absolutely. We, we, we had the, uh, the age old, um, and we'll, we'll just fill you in. Um, basically we'll asked what we felt was better of Alan Moore's work, V for Vendetta and Watchmen. And I, I have, I strongly feel that they're both great, and that V for, v for Vendetta is my favorite Alan Moore work ever. Um, and but what we were talking about was for me when V kicked Evie out and like issue four. It's not a big spoiler if you haven't read it because it's like issue four. Uh, there's a lot happening after it. <laughs> but um, I literally, I, I I love Chris Claremont. I grew X Men one ninety seven. Like the second uh, uh, appearance of Nimrod is the one that just just took me by the throat and just choked me and said, you're going to be reading this until you die. You know? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Oh, great. And there's, there's probably a reason rogues, my favorite character. Cause that's, that's the issue <laughs> where she took Colossus and Nightcrawler's uh, powers when they were knocked out to mess with Nimrod. So just brilliant stuff. I love Chris. I Carter can Mark. picture that cover, by the way, I know which one you're I, talking about. So John great. Romita Jr. Was that a Romita? <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it is. Yes. Cause I rewrote it. You're right. Absolutely. But I, I, I couldn't believe that the quote unquote protagonist of the story was so callous and different and mean to the little girl that she had saved. And I was just like, I didn't know comics could do that. And uh, good night, buddy. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but so I'm just trying some stuff because I saw something that Joey said. I'm trying to see if I have the right cover. Yeah. Oh. So, we, um, <laughs> so Joey Galvez in the chat that, says his is x-men volume two number one jim lee's connecting covers cover c is the first book i so, ever purchased off the rack so maybe so joey can... just said he barely hit 30. got it okay <laughs> so joey if you're here is it this cover yeah uh, cover c cover? That, that was the one cover no that's cover e that's d i think oh c well, has colossus gambit and Beast, or not Beast, Beast. Beast and um, uh, oh, come Max. on, Joey, Maybe it's your cover. Tell us. Yeah. yeah. 
I feel like Beast and Professor X are on the same cover, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think Professor um, X is on A, but I don't remember. Yeah, it's been so. It's been thirty years, Kevin. I can't remember. Yeah. I actually had yeah, oh, yeah. the first one. So <laughs> first uh, one, first one, this yeah. one. Yeah. So I've like got a funny. Been a um, randomly on the okay. con I was tabling at I think on Long Island, and um, this was had like really badly falling apart backboard. So. A couple years ago, well, during COVID, I'm like, I'm getting these things freshly bagged and board before this actually gets damaged. Because I'm a huge yeah. Jim Lee fan. So these are my copies of that. I also have, friendly, and people know I'm not a big fan of Punisher, but being a fan of Jim Lee, I got not only oh, Punisher, yeah. Punishers, mm-hmm. but um, right here. I have randomly, I found randomly. Like the first trade from Pleasure War Journal, the Wolverine uh, crossover. So yeah. Dan, I was a I was a Alpha Flight fan as a kid, and I read oh. every issue from start to finish. I bought from the first issue. I bought, and then I went. I was like, "Oh, these guys showed up before," and I went back and I found the back issues for like five bucks um, at the time. So it was what one X Men one twenty and one eighteen, one twenty one. I don't remember the numbers now, but. But anyway, um, so you appreciate this because I think it was Alpha Flight Fifty One was Jim Lee's first published Marvel work ever. Right. Wow. And, and I happened to just buy it for seventy five cents because it was on the rack. But I still have that. Uh, you know, it, yeah. It's it's so there. There's something magical about Marvel in the in you know in in the early to mid eighties. You had you know Walter Simonson on Thor. You had John Byrne oh. on Fantastic Thor. Or you friends had, on Thor, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Frank Miller on Daredevil. Oh, yes, uh, you had Clare- Claremont and lots of different artists on X Men. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. this—it's it, just such a great period that you know. I don't know that they've ever really hit again. You know, something because there was so much going on right there. Somebody I just saw on Twitter was commenting about how Marvel used to be. I won't get back to Kevin's original point. Um, yeah. The, um, <laughs> No, uh, like, this well, is, we're this, having a great conversation. This is, this, is, yeah. this is great. As long yeah. as we make sure and actually talk about your campaign. We do want to talk about your campaign <laughs> at great. some point. Yes. Because we do want to make sure people know you're making your comics. But this is awesome. Um, but yeah, no. Um, someone was commenting on Twitter today about how Marvel used to be the house of ideas. But here we are, SDCC, one of the big announcements is, oh, we have Rob Liefeld on two more books. And it's like... Right. So we were trying to recapture this flame from 30 years ago that, and this is not a knock on Liefeld, it's it's really a comment on Marvel, is like, what happened? And I think it's what you're asking, Kevin, is or Will, is what happened? Because it used to be, it used to be the House of Ideas. Uh, dude, Punisher War Journal, when JRJR did that cover and there was like a bullet holes and stuff, I was like, holy biscuits, I gotta have five copies of that, just because <laughs> I gotta have five. I, and I wasn't even a collector, I was a reader. Um, and, uh, but, it, but it made me a collector and, uh, there were just so many, to your point, so many great stories, uh, friends and those guys, uh, put out that Thor issue, which introduced the new warriors. And next thing you know, you have Fabian Ichiza and Mark Bagley, and we have one of the greatest teen, teen superheroes of all time. And I am including like Legion superheroes and teen Titans and X-Men in that conversation. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest. And yet that was introduced in what, 89, 90? Um, and, and it was that same era you're talking about. And, and since then, I feel like, and maybe it was the image break that broke them. Um, but I feel like Marvel's really, uh, and again, I'm not being overly, I'm not trying to be overly critical, but I think they've kind of fallen off a little bit in terms of 
they're just a, an IP farm that's just throwing stuff out there and they keep rehashing the same things over and over again. My God, how many Spider-Men do we have? And I love a lot of them, but mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a great question, though. I wonder, like, what happened, though. I, if, if I if I had to guess, it's Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee and, you know, Silvestri <laughs> taking all of McFarlane, like the, the superstar artists, basically all leaving at once. Uh, and I don't think Marvel ever wanted any artists to have that much power over again. So yeah. it shifted over to the writing side. I mean, we're all writers, but, you know. No writer. It's a visual medium. It's a visual medium. Uh, it is. 100%. You, you, kinda, you, you want your superstars to be uh, artists and you want your workhorses that are just going to sit down and, and make sure that the artists have something to do, your writers. And, you know, you can you can kind of coast for a while when you've got a, you know, uh, you know, you said Daredevil. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. He just went to D.C. But there was a, a while there where he was writing Avengers, Ultimate Spider and Bendis. Um, Goodness, yeah. You know, they kind of, but they just kind of were like, hey, you know, and I, what I've always said about personally, Brian Bendis has the ability to write three great comics a month, and he chooses to write one great comic, two okay comics, and four bad comics a month. <laughs> and uh, you just need to make sure that you're either reading Daredevil or Ultimate Spider Man, because those are going to be his two great ones. Don't, don't worry about the others. <laughs> But they coasted on having a writer doing six, seven, eight books yeah. and maybe having a good artist here and there um, is my guess. But um, I don't know. Joe, Joe Quesada never really asked my opinion one way or the other. So, yeah. And no. I will point out another issue. There was also like Pearl Mutter, who was probably. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. the bankruptcy happened. You know, just after, like, was that early 90s? Like, 90, 91? Mid-90s, late 90s, yeah. with, with the uh, Hero World's collapse. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, that I was makes reading sure. about that recently because I was a kid during that time, so I was like, I'm probably to relearn this, you know, post-facto, not because it's something I unfortunately lived through. We should but, tell like, Dan about this book that came out periodically called Wizard that was really cool. I'm aware of Wizard. I'm <laughs> just messing with you, dude. We're just gonna we're gonna ride this whole young guy thing all night because you know yeah. you're, you're the you're the twenty five percenter. So you know, <laughs> well, we are talking about some billion dollar companies and multi multi million dollar IPs. Let's start talking about mm-hmm. some Kickstarters that could grow into those. Uh, possibly in the future. All right, you're, you're Charlie. You're pointing, <laughs> so let's let's go to Spider Squirrel and Trash Panda first. Um, oh. I'm going to pull up the page. Um, so we're you, you know you talked about this kind of a fun loving. I love Booster Gold uh, he, and Blue Beetle are just like such fun together. Um, where did your did your superhero universe start with them, or did you start elsewhere and they become the characters you like to play with? No, you're a great host. That's a great question. Um, no, they weren't the first ones that I published. So, um, gosh, it was 2007. Um, I um, did a, gosh, man, was it that long ago? Holy crap. Anyway, one of my first <laughs> Kickstarters ever was a long time ago. Let's just say that. And it was not actually for a comic book. It was for um, a gaming supplement. And um, I got it funded. 
And, uh, and here's what happened. So I started writing this superhero team story. I wanted to do my Avengers X-Men story, I, you know, the, the thing, right? Every one of us who, who is into superheroes really wants to write. Mm-hmm. And so I started writing this story and I was like, okay, this is cool. I got art, you know, I had Kevin Sharp and I had Andy Smith, these, you know, industry professionals. I've known Andy Smith for, um, holy biscuits, close to 30 years now. Um, met him in 97. Almost Daniel's uh, whole life. I, I was just thinking that <laughs> I told you those jokes aren't going away, Dan. Um, and it's we not kid, just me either. So we, we kid because you really make us feel bad about ourselves. We, well, we, yeah. we kid because you are one. Um, no, I'm just, I figured that the D and D group I was in, I was the old man of the group by like a couple of years. So everyone's like, thirties or May 20th. I was, you know, I was like 33, 34. So I'm like, I'm the old man. What the? Okay. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. <laughs> So yeah, so I, I I wrote the Watch Guard, and as I'm writing it, and get, as I'm getting actually pages done, Elmer Santos, who's coloring Wildcats right now, um, so Elmer was uh, an unknown at the time, uh, a young kid named Sean Isaacs that nobody has heard of, right? Who's only doing Green Arrow right now with Joshua Middleton. Um, the, these guys weren't even found yet, and um, I was creating these characters and getting character sheets done and bios, and I was doing all this stuff. And creating my little Bible for these characters. And then I realized it, it's just one night I was like, I just to my wife and said, who the hell's going to buy this shit? Like nobody knows these characters. Nobody cares about my, I have to find people to care about my characters. How do I do that? And so I spent about, I don't know, probably a week or two. I don't remember the timeline, um, but because um, I'm old now, um, but I was working uh, just north of here. And uh, on the lunch break, I swung over to a gaming shop who also sold comics. And I was like, oh, I'll just check the comics rack. Well, while I was in the, in the gaming shop, I looked over and I just happened to start scanning some. I, I was curious if there's any superhero you know, RPGs or something. Sure enough, Green Ronin Publishing had made some masterminds. And they had just released the second edition. And uh, they had a hardcover rule book. And I asked the guy, the game owner, shop owner, I said, hey, can I crack open the, the, the shrimp wrap? He's like, no, you got to buy it. I was like, you're a jerk, but okay. So I spent $35, bought this stupid book, Sight Unseen. I had a cover to go on. And uh, I cracked it open, and um, I realized I found my audience. Gamers will buy anything gaming-related and ancillary to it because it it works with their what they're already doing. So um, so I created the WatchGuard Sourcebook, which actually is on Amazon, and, and accidentally created an award-winning book, which is kind of cool. So... I won an Ogre Award. I got nominated for an Innie, which for those of you who are in gaming, you know, an Innie is like the, the Academy Awards of gaming. Um, and so I actually got nominated for an Innie Award, um, Rookie of the Year. And, do, they have um, an, do they have an Audi and that's like when you've been canceled? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love your sense of humor. Um, no. <laughs> so, not yeah, yet. Not there yet. it is. There, Dan's got it. Look at that. Yep. <laughs> so thanks, Dan. Um, and so that, that gave me my audience. And then I went to Kickstarter with a comic book and successfully funded the comic book. And, um, and then I just wasn't happy. And I, I said, uh, it was not well-written. I had a lot of issues. I, I rushed things and, and whatever the, the book looks great. So please buy it from me mm-hmm. by all means, look at it. Just don't read it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we're revisiting those characters, uh, maybe in 24, but, um, Anyway, that's, that's what got me started. And it wasn't until I was going on American Ninja Warrior that I came up with the Spider-Squirrel name, 
which was my name, uh, or like a handle or whatever okay. you want to call okay. it. Wait, 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 wait. Go back. <laughs> you ought, yeah. <laughs> so you get it on American Ninja Warrior? Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. I, I no, it. no, yeah. American Ninja Warrior season you 10. You can't just drop, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I was on season 10. Guys, uh, guys just sit back. This is going to be a long one. Duh. You're good. No, okay. I won't give you the whole long story. Go ahead. No, no, you're not going to give it to me now. You were on American Ninja Warrior. We're going to finish with your comic. We're going to drive Daniel's comic. Will's going to sing three Tony Bennett songs. And then we're talking behind the scenes of the experience because I got to hear this. Um, so just go. Okay. After you were on so, American Ninja Warrior, with Spider Squirrel name, go. Yeah, yeah. So I I, uh, I created the logo that you see behind me, and I put it on all my gear. So all my training gear had that logo, and I had it on my shirts and stuff like that. And I ended up buying the gym, and I was training in, and then of course I went on the show. But while I'm training, I realized, you know, this is gonna be a really fun super. I would love to do this. I want to do something not serious. I want to have a lot of fun with it. I want to kind of go back to like I said earlier, the wahaha days where comics are just lighthearted, silly. Maybe they deal with deep things, but they don't in a way that is so like not um, overt, not obtuse. Mm-hmm. that it's just a part of the story. And so um, that's when I had the idea to put, kind of write my life into it. And so in the first issue, actually, he dates, he goes around dating. And uh, a lot of the, the females that show up in there are, uh, female characters that show up in there are based on ex-girlfriends of mine. Uh, all of them know that, by the way, because okay. I'm still friends with some of them. Um, and my wife is too, so it's kind of fun. Um, not that way, uh, kids, it's after dark. <laughs> but not that after dark. <laughs> Whew. All right, where's Pat Shane when you need him? Um, <laughs> is, is this gonna be his next, his next TV is just gonna be called McKelvey? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I actually have a character called the Shand Man uh, that he knows about that I'm working on, so that, that'll be eventually you'll see that one coming. So, yeah, anyway, so that's what that's where Spider Man came from, and then I realized I wanted him to be like my Spider Man, he's ubiquitous, he shows up in just about every book that I publish, some way, shape, or form, a billboard, a backdrop, something. Um, a t-shirt and uh, and but I, I figured that would be the start of my universe and while he's the start or the center of my universe if you will um, there's a lot more out there and not all of it's superheroes so we've got a lot more in store for you oh that's awesome that's cool. that's really cool and <laughs> so if you if, if everything blows up and you you have your heart's desire and you can make as many of these books as you can and you've got teams how many books would you want in your universe coming out per year? Uh, well, by the end of next year, I'll have one, two, three, four. Dan's got a book from me, five, six, seven, eight. I'll have a dozen books by the end of next year um, out there. So All in the Zion universe, all with eight. Is, I'm guessing it's more like the 80s Marvel DC where if you read them all, you get a little more, but you don't have to. It's not the, I'm going to guess. because. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really not, right now, there is a an event um, that I'm building up towards that I alluded to. If you bought the trade paperback, there's a, a 12 issue, or sorry, 12 page epilogue that um, is also a teaser for things to come that has only been in print in the trade paperback. Uh, I will reprint that in volume two, issue one, which is actually gonna be numbered four, issue four of the series. Um, so you, you don't have to have the trade paperback, but anyway, it first shows up there and, and you'll see that there's a lot coming. Um, 
So I will start teasing things out, but they'll be, they'll be obvious. They'll be clear. It's not going to be something you have to like, oh, well, go read American Yakuza. What's that? Um, well, it's a mature audience's book that hasn't even out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't, you won't need any of that. Does it color at all? Yeah. Like if you read Rook, which is coming out um, later this year, uh, it's a one shot. Rook will be in the same city that Watch Guard's in. So yeah, absolutely. And Alpha Elite, the Dan wrote, takes place in Richmond, which is the same place these guys are. So, okay. so yeah, there is like background, but it won't matter if you don't read any of it and you won't get that much fuller picture if you read all of them because i really want the books to stand on their own i don't need them to be bullied up by somebody else no that's cool all right well you said rook dan works in your thing let's get to rook and knight and uh we're gonna we're gonna (coughs) pop over i'm gonna pull up the page dan and kind of the the same question uh, about your universe now i know that you said this comes out of american dreams so i know that these uh, Kind of connected. I try yeah. to make it like a try as well. You don't have to read American Dreams to to, but it helps. <laughs> so, so, but what I I want to pop in is, so where did Rook and Knight come into as you were as you were bringing this whole universe together? How did this idea come to you as I pull up? So I was working on a different idea to do more modern stuff because I have to start off me going there's more modern day stuff I was rich, eventually I was going to do more modern day stuff anyways so I was writing another story to try to be this, this kind of quasi event and I introduced some characters I was writing to create and I created these two characters called Rook and Knight the father and father and son and I'm writing this and go no not this story it wasn't the right story it was slightly too bleak and it was maybe too much too fast so I scaled it back, and I did more about them, though I am more teasing about the world in general around them with appearances by new characters, appearances by old characters. Um, some There'll be some oblique mentions to things, so we can go, aha, here's my little connection here and there. And as the issue, it's going to be like a three or four issue series, so it's going to be like you'll see more connections as time goes by. I'm trying to make it as accessible as possible to newcomers. Who who did your different covers? Because you got some gorgeous covers. Uh, I think they have the, the they have it under the um, each one. So the main covers by the Bags Brothers, who are also our art team, on the book. Rook cover B is by Vasco Giacchini. Giacchini, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Sally Lockhart did our cover C. Yeah, this one this one is just incredible. I mm-hmm. love that one. That's the one I picked as well. Uh, it's gorgeous. So nice. Uh, it, have you worked with your interior artists uh, before, or is this your first time working with them? It was my first time working with them. They actually came to me and they're like, hey, do you have a project for us? I'm like, let me think. And then so I, I went back for my notes. I'm like, okay, here's this old story I started. And I, there were parts of it I liked, parts of it I didn't. Like, let me take the parts I like, start something fresh and new. Do you know, does one, um, pencil and the other color or do they uh what i forget which is which but one pencils and inks and one of the others is the colorist okay cool dan i gotta ask you because you know how much i love uh night wrath uh will i enjoy this as much as night wrath i think you might because this is slightly darker slightly more mature well some of a balance uh it's, it's greater at street level and as you do the preview pages it can get a little brutal <laughs> Because, you know, street-level vigilantes. 
But I like still, but I mean, the dad's on taking drugs. The kid's having trouble in school because he's seeing these kids getting bullied. He's like, "Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it!" And then he gets pulled into because he's a good kid. You don't see it, but this will have consequences starting in issue two, because well, you'll see. I can't tell you much more about spoiling an issue that's not even drawn yet. You had artists that can do this come to you and just say, "Hey, do you have work for us?" This is incredible. Yeah, it's more than once. I'm like, and I was like, sometimes I say yes, sometimes I say not at the moment because I get right. other people. But every so often, I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, no. If artists like this come to you, you have to find something. You have to find a way to hitch hitch your wagon to some rising stars. It's just got so much energy and pop. Yeah, and that's also part of the problem. Well, probably Nightraff Two is being delayed, and we had to get a new artist for that because he was like, "I'll come back from this, you know, Wesley's Knives book. I have plenty of time to do so." Cut to a few weeks later. Hey, we need a fill in. You know, <laughs> and we have found one, but it's going to take a little while. For, you're yeah, you're telling me Wesley Snipes has more power than you and uh... <laughs> and money, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you don't pay taxes, you'd have more money too. Oh. <laughs> hey, if he can joke about it, I can too. Yeah. <laughs> I love. <him. laughs> as, Wesley, as Wesley Snipes says, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably isn't. <laughs> so you know, like. This is this is the first issue of you know many to come three or three or four is that yeah. going to be the okay yeah I think uh, it might do to be like the long running series and if other things get really popular you know they they might extend it to a couple other arcs I know I want to do Gabe and I talked about doing a couple of arcs more for Night Wrath uh, but American Dreams I have arc two mostly written and outlined and two of them drawn. And I'm rethinking the third arc that I already was going to make arc two, which is now arc three. And now that arc three might be changed altogether, just keeping some things here and some things there. Again, try to, instead of being this story I originally wrote, I might expand it to be more expansion of this universe. So it's going to be the 1900s era. You just did, uh, what was it, a hardcover for American Dreams? The uh, trade paper back in the hardcover, but right. because because Ben DeBarge picked up American Dreams. Oh, cool. I just put enough enough for it to fulfill, you know, orders. And I have to talk to Ben DeBarge about this. We can have a meeting and, uh, and conflicts keep coming up. <laughs> um, it's, it's like, like, we hate to put this to you again, but uh, <laughs> but we are planning a new um, trade paperback for, I guess, hopefully end of the year, beginning of the next. I have to get more details from them, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I saw your latest issue in um, uh, previews this month, Dan. Yeah, so, kudos. it comes out at the yeah. end of the month. It comes out next week. Yeah, yeah congrats. Double-sized grand finale of the first season. And, that, and that's out, that's out of Band of Bards? It's out of Band of Bards. That is our right. double-sized issue four. So if you are keeping track of the original series, that would be the combined of four and five. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Joe, Joey Galvez in the chat says that Rook and Knight is Grayson, Batman, uh, Damian, Robin, if Batman broke his one role, which apparently I argue is... I argue Rook is more, is more Bruce if Bruce had even less control over his own anger. Yeah. I was, I was going <laughs> to say uh, more than one role, because didn't you say he's dr a drug addict? So I think he's yeah. got more than one one role that maybe Bruce doesn't... Uh, but there's also... Some he's like the Roy Harper of uh, of Batman's, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, there's a, there's a man pain. Um, 
but you find out why in issue two, and there's as someone points out, there's a certain time. It's been X number of years since a certain defining event, which is kind of making him go back into that. Plus, the kids growing up, so it's like psychological pressure on already somewhat unstable individual. <laughs> so when when you're putting these this book together, do you do you start with that event that? that would break somebody and see where, where it's going? Or do you go like, I've got a father and son that I really want to, to tell the story about. And I, and I want the father to be going through some stuff and then you work backwards. So where do you, where do you come up with, um, well, well, how do you this, come up with these things? Well, this case, I to look at the father son relationship. Um, and also like, it'd be interesting if it would be more of a falling apart than coming back together. And everything after that is a flip. Little things like, oh, if we do this, what if we do that? And it's like, mm-hmm. find those little angles as you as I go along. I'm really a bit of a, depends on the book. I can be a, you know, planner. I can be a pantser. It was more of a pantser. Okay. To be quite honest. <laughs> um, there's another book. Like there's, there's something to that, though. Yeah. There's like <laughs> things where I'm like outlining these detailed outlines and notes, and then there's, I have them with a great idea and just, you know, it, 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 I have to get this down ASAP yeah. before I forget. One of one of Will and my you know friends, Comic uh, Uno, Cat uh, Calamia, her her book, um, like I like love father, like daughter. Yeah, so, yeah. that was the first person I ever tabled with at a, at a comic book convention. Oh, that's that nice. must have been a fun weekend. So yeah. <laughs> she's wonderful. But but hearing about the father son dynamic reminds me of that book, and there's so much so much there's so much interesting content tent that you can go in the superhero when you have these mm-hmm. generations of people because they're they're fighting the people out here but they're also pushing and pulling between each other exactly. that has to be fun exactly and we're gonna see definitely this is the you know we have to splinter 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 then ultimately come to back together so with that journey of how right, together i got some fun stuff planned for issues three and four or issue three it could be a little exercise um they're trying to figure out, and it's going to, of course, connect to things back to American Dreams and things, things that haven't been in the comic, that comic yet, but things we'll hint at because, of course, there's always some people in the background, good and bad, that will be familiar faces. Dan, uh, just a curiosity, um, are you, in American Dreams, as you do subsequent issues going forward, are you, are you thinking to do some like time capsules? Do, do you know what I mean by that? Like dropping little because you know this is the 1900s right so you're talking like early yeah um and dropping little dimes in american dreams that may show up in rook and knight or vice versa because that would be fun too where you have something in rook and knight that you go back to i was just curious a little little, there's a line there's a thing later on in issue of night raff i've written but hasn't been drawn yet because it's oh wait spoiler alert people (laughs) it's gonna mention a hero that a a costumed hero that will appear in American Dreams eventually, and his ultimately his ultimate fate. But that here, and I I will note that in the because it's not been released yet. I did a a short with Ben Bart's permission for an anthology about American Dreams about team ups, which shows some of the heroes are are coming, and that hero is among them. Cool. No, it's good stuff, man. So if you've ordered that uh, unlike, uh, Unknown Heroes Volume 2 anthology, you might get a sneak peek of what's coming down the pike. Cool. 
And and honestly, order anything Band of Bards because they're just great people over oh, there. Well, there's Band of Bards that is getting permission to do the anthology short. Oh, I don't give a crap about that anthology. They're not Band of Bards. They're dead to me. <laughs> do do not do not buy that anthology. Actually, do buy that anthology because Bandabars because we do want to. Bandabars will benefit from it somehow. There you somehow. go. Okay. It's okay if I can do this. Like, yeah, sure, go ahead. It's funny you brought up Cat. So, uh, Kevin, because now you're mentioned two people who actually have stories in the Spider Squirrel uh, Titan Size Annual. Because Dan over here has a story, which Dan, by the way, I just sent it off to Vasco to get colored, by the yes. way. How coincidental is that, right? He reached, he reached out to me, and I was like, dude, I, all I have is color work, but I need color work. And he's like, I'll do it. So, um, and then Cat is actually writing a wonderful, um, she wrote a wonderful kind of a slice of life uh, as she does. Uh, <laughs> it's a superhero story that takes place at a funeral. Um, really, really good. You'll, you'll enjoy it. So anyway, yeah. I just thought it was great that you brought that up. That's, that's awesome. And uh, you know what? What Slice of Life funded last night, the night before. Mm. So congratulate yep. to Cat Ka yep. and Phil. Um, yep. John Westoff's uh, Drumsticks of Doom uh, funded two days ago too. So uh, uh, you know, always, always exciting to have friends uh, kicking ass and taking kicks. And Jerry book um, funded last night too. Which one was this? Uh, Southbound, Southbound by Jared Luhan. Southbound, yeah. Oh, oh okay, cool. Cool. We we had them on for what was the demon in the head one? Um, oh, I know this one. I have it in my. Room. It was very good. It's very good. Yeah, I've I'm got I've got blanking. it. I don't remember. The yeah, I'm blanking on names, but it, it was good. So congratulations, Jared. Well, I'm so, yeah. like, this on email Twin about blades. Today. The head. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's great because it's, like, it's an exorcist in inside a man's head. All the devils are head. All the devils are here. That's it. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that was a very, very good comic. Um, so, guys, check out both of these campaigns. Now, Will, I do apologize. I know you wanted to sing. But <laughs> I think because we only have Charlie on this week, we're going to have to push the Tony Bennett songs to next week. Uh, okay. It breaks my heart, man. All right. I, I have to because this is <laughs> – I've never met anybody who even sniffed something like a uh, Ninja Warrior, American Ninja Warrior, <laughs> wipe out. So, all right. What, what makes you crazy enough to think, I want to do that? What in that your background made you think this is something you could do? Because I'm completely ignorant. I don't know if you did well. I don't know if you won the damn thing. So I'm coming in totally ignorant here. So what made you think, F it. I'm going to do this crazy thing. So the short version of a, of a fairly long story. In 2013, I had been playing um, uh, competitive flag football for two seasons. We won both you know, our division championship both seasons, and we were kicking ass and loving it. My quarterback, one day he was like, hey, you want to do a tough mutter? I was like, I don't even know what that is, but whatever. Um, and so I signed up. Signed, you know, I had no idea what I was getting into, and we are down in Richmond, Virginia, and a hurricane came through and it, it washed out the course. And so I, here I am at 6 a.m. watching these alerts coming through while I'm in a hotel and the event was canceled. I was like, mother trucker. They canceled a Tough Mudder when it could have been the toughest, uh, modest. That's what I said. 
But apparently, because something about having to get emergency vehicles to obstacles matters to some people who actually want to live. So, so I sat in my hotel room pissed off and I, I Googled, you know, mud run near me and, um, and Spartan showed up, Spartan race showed up and it happened to be two miles from my house. The Spartan race was hosting a free workout at a gym. So I met a friend, John, who actually is now a character in my universe. Uh, you'll meet hate in a, Actually, Travis Hill should be writing that story for next year. So you'll meet Hate next year. Yeah. Um, but um, so I met my friend John and I worked out and I felt I was like, it was crazy. I went to the Spartan workout. We worked out for like four hours. I burned like 9,700 some ridiculous calories. And I was like, I'm going from fat guy to fit guy. Here we go. And I went <laughs> home and immediately signed up for a Spartan race that was like six weeks from that day. Um, That's not I never time for a Spartan, is it? Oh, it really isn't. But okay. I, I finished it, and it was the the first finish was the most primal thing. I told my wife I described it to her this way. She said, "How did it feel?" She wasn't there. Uh, we had little kids at the time, and I said, um, I, "It was primal." I said, I, "I wanted to hug the first person I came across. I wanted to punch the first person I came across. I wanted to kiss <laughs> the first person I came across. I wanted to bite their face off." You know, it was just this this guttural kind of you know thing. Um, and I'm not some kind of testosterone freak, but, um, but I loved that event and I did another and another and another. And before you know it, um, in 2014 or 2015, I forget, um, I ended up doing over a hundred of these events. I ended up in men's health magazine sponsored by premier protein. I did a commercial for them. You can Google it. It's on YouTube. It's type in premier protein, Charlie fan. You'll find it. There's a 16 second version and a 30 second version. It's absolutely stupid, but you see my kids, so it's really. Cool. I have I have time to watch one or the other. <laughs> Do the 30 second and just enjoy okay. it, you know. Um, uh, but that was cool because they actually, when the director, they were going to fly me out to, to LA, and the director said, "You have how many kids?" And I said, "Oh yeah, we have seven. It was like we're coming to you." And so they, they <laughs> flew the whole film crew out here, and then they got a bunch of you know local hires and stuff. And, and filmed it at my house and in my neighborhood and at the running trails I go to. So uh, fast forward, I had been, um, at this point, I had been a five-time um, competitor at the World Championships. So I've been, I've been to Canada a few times, been, you know, they had it in the U.S., a couple other places. And so I was a perennial uh, pro here doing this stuff, and I was sponsored. Uh, and then I decided I needed to find some place to train in the winter because there's there's no events in the winter. There's no gyms to train at. I didn't know how to train in the winter other than just go running some snowy hills. Mm-hmm. And I it found a parkour. Rocky. What's that? It worked for Rocky, the, yeah. Rocky Four. Yeah, I could do that, right? You know, go to Russia or something. You but do, um, you do that, that sit ups <laughs> on the top of the warehouse. Uh, I found a parkour gym near me, and um, so I started training there, and I got good at parkour, and I realized it was something I was really naturally good at, and I, t- I took first place at their their first ninja competition. I go, hey, I'm actually good at this, and so that's what happened, and I just kind of, two years later, decided to go, and I applied for the show, and they were like, we want you, let's go. That's it? I mean, that was the whole story. No, that's not the whole story, so that's how you applied. Okay, so they said come out. You fly out, you go, um, do you get to see the course like the day before or do you just know like the day you shoot it, you see what you have to do? So you want behind the scenes information. So um, I want it, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how it works is they recommend you come down to the event area um, 
uh, almost a week in advance and they don't demand it. You can come in the day before they don't care, but it's, they're suggesting it. And the reason is because it used to be when I was doing the show, they film overnight. And the reason they film overnight outdoors overnight is because they can control the lighting. You can't control the sun, you, you know, and so, and they certainly can't control the rain, which actually affected us in Miami. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, I get down to Miami with my family. We drove down 21 hours. Good God. Um, and um, stayed there for about five, six days. We weren't allowed to visit or see the course. And it wasn't even completely built until about two days beforehand. And even then, you can only see it from like the outskirts. So um, it, it was it was pretty well, you know, good secret basically. And you couldn't touch the course. If you got in and accidentally, you know, did something on the course, uh, you were automatically disqualified. The day, the morning of the night filming, they have you come out and they have you, they walk the course and they tell you the rules and they have somebody demonstrate every single obstacle. So they have a whole crew called ATS who actually builds the course and they have a Jen and one of the, I forget the dude's name, she and one other guy um, will actually demonstrate the obstacles for you. And then you could ask questions and, and sometimes the questions will lead to, you know, like rule changes on the fly, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of cool too. And a couple of them did change that way that night or morning rather. So uh, that's it. And you can't touch it until then. And then you just got to get a dream about it the rest of the day. And then you got to be up at, uh, you got to be there on site and check in by 8, 8, 8 PM. And you may not run until 6 AM. Uh, suck it up buttercup. That's what we had to do. And so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, so my family, yeah. That's, that's course number one is, is right. Next, that's the if qualifier. you get through, if you get through, is it the next night? It's the very next night. So in the show for fans, you see like Miami episode one, and then six weeks later, you see Miami episode two. Well, those are back, back to back film, uh, you know, night after night. So uh, only top 30 advance. We had 109 competitors. I got 33rd. Um, so I missed it by, would you believe that much? Um, <laughs> and for those of you who get that reference, and, uh, and so, yeah, thank you. No Brooks fan. Uh, and by the way, I stayed up until 6 a.m. to find out that I got disqualified. I watched and I watched and I kept going over to, um, I forget her name now, but she was one of the, the associate producers and she had the, the rankings. And I was like, where am I at? And she goes, oh, you're fine. You're like number, you know, 17. I was like, okay, great. You know, and I kept fucking her, that poor girl. She was super sweet. And then, um, you actually get, still stayed 19th, but you annoyed her enough that you became 33rd. Well, that's what happened, probably. I kept, but I kept watching myself tick down because, and then I get to, I said, "Who's left?" Because I was at number 28 or 29. I forget when I asked her, and um, Jennifer, and uh, Jennifer goes, um, "You're, you're, you know, whatever my number was at the time." And I go, "Okay, who's left?" And she goes, "Oh, Brett." And I said, "Shit, Brett Sims." <laughs> for those of you who don't know. And Ryan Strat is like, oh God, Strat and Brett, I'm, you know, and so, uh, and I don't, you, the show, by the way, for anybody who doesn't know, the, what you see on the show is pretty darn real. Like we literally cheer each other on constantly. Um, Jesse Graff, who has been in Wonder Woman 2, she's been a stunt woman for Supergirl, she's super awesome. Uh, the face of Ninja Warrior. She is backstage cheering every, every competitor on it. Kid you not, that's Jesse, 100%. Um, and so we all cheer each other on. So I couldn't root for Strat or Brett to fall, right? But right. For Brett Sims, but Brett fell on obstacle two, and I was like, oh, "I'm in! I'm in! Oh my god, I'm in!" And uh, and uh, it turns out that the obstacle broke, and so Brett got a redo. And I was like, "God bless him!" Wow. <laughs> I'm really happy for. Brett. So happy uh, for. Him. 
So anyway, that's I came thirty. I came thirty third out of out of one hundred nine. I still I, that's it was a blast. Yeah, yeah, it was so much fun. And I was one of the oldest competitors, by the way. I was um, there was only one other competitor in that grouping that was older than me. So because I was in my forties. So that Dan, that's like way in your future, but. Uh... So my, you bring up like you all cheering for each other. So I basically um, watched the, you know, the original Ninja Warrior on the, an old show, G4, G4? G4 channel that doesn't exist anymore. But, you know, we, we kind of like ran across it. And what I loved about it is the first um, course, the first the preliminaries, you've got some, you know, serious competitors like you and you said brett and you know like these people who are there to really beat it and then you got some goofballs like if i joined the course like literally dressed up <laughs> like clown Superman. costume on yeah yeah and just kind of like f it i'm gonna fall on the first or second obstacle who cares and so the, you know the first like 10 minutes of the show you're kind of laughing at most of the people and by the second third and fourth every time someone falls you die with them yeah, you're, it's you're you're no true. longer rooting against anyone. You're you're just with everybody, and that's it's the only like uh, reality slash sports slash competitive show I've ever seen where you're always rooting for everyone once you get into Absolutely. kind of the deep. And I remember the the one guy on, on G4, my wife and I still like kind of sadly laugh. Like he lost his family because he couldn't quit trying to defeat Mount Mount Fuji. Was that the original? Mount Midoriyama. Thank you. And and it's, you know, like, we're like, oh, you know, like when the family is going to leave you, it's time to give give up the sport. But he's like, no, but we also love the gas station attendant guy who just like climbed around his gas station to, um, uh, to get ready. So I am, I'm proud to have spoken to somebody who did it. I think 33rd is something that you should be, proud of for the rest of your life i mean i, I know that totally you, you 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 sound like you've won other athletic things but that's that's pretty incredible it, it's fun and the best part for me was my whole family was there um they had me run early enough that my kid most of my kids were still awake okay. um and um and i got to make some really good friends so like you know captain nbc the green-haired guy jamie ron is a as a family friend he spent the night at our house he's hung out in the backyard with us he's you know, whatever. Uh, and then Maggie Thorns, another one. She has a pink bow in her hair. I love Maggie to pieces. So Maggie, Jamie, if you happen to be watching, I love you guys. Yeah. Um, they're they're but, they're usually you know, here. I don't see them in the chat. I don't know why they're not in the chat. I don't know what's up there. You know, something about comic books, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's it was a really cool experience. I, I'm very fortunate. The things I've been through, I feel like my life has been very touched. So I've I've enjoyed it. I don't take any of it for granted. So I like this Kickstarter. I don't, you know, all 170 backers or whatever. I love every one of you thank you i don't take you for granted yeah so well you know um, kevin you mentioned you just mentioned something that i mean it you know you said it was like you know everybody's rooting for everybody that's indie comics really that's indie comics yeah that's Mm -hmm. totally the 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 indie comics scene i mean we all want each other to succeed because i mean it's it sounds trite but a rising tide really does lift all all the boats. You know, the better mm-hmm. that you do, the better that Daniel does, the better that Kevin does, mm-hmm. is the better that we all do. I mean, it, hey, I've really... backed every crossover division possible, so I think you know that well. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, no, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. 
it, it's just great. I mean, that because the indie comic community is so supportive. And, you know, it gives all of us a chance to do do the stuff that we want. I mean, look at Cat. Cat and Phil are doing the books that they want to do. And mm-hmm. and Kickstarter's better for it, and indie comics yeah. are better for it. I mean, it's it's just a it's a wonderfully supportive community. It really is. It is. Yeah, yeah and I think that it's um, you can be. You don't even have to do it because it, it's altruistic of yourself. You know, like you, it, because I call it greedy giving. <laughs> Doing stuff like this, it it is good for you. You know, like just. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to back every campaign. There are too many campaigns to back everything. Fact. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a retweet, a share on Facebook, or just a just what, however you you let somebody know is is great, and that's it's awesome. But it's. Will and I started this show during our Kickstarter campaigns and his campaign ended before mine. And I said, well, I'm going to do it next week. He goes, I'll be back. And so I had like two more shows with where I was live and I just talked to him afterwards. I was like, that's kind of fun. Do you want to just keep doing it? Even though we don't have campaigns, he's like, let's do it. And, you know, like every, not every Friday, but most Friday nights, we get to come on here and talk. Like, I hadn't met either of you two before, and it's been fabulous and a lot of fun. And it's kind of like, this, this is great. And we get to help each other and we get to, you know, succeed with each other. And, uh, you know, it's, yep, absolutely. it's, it's, it's you know, I, I feel like I won Ninja Warrior. I do. No, yeah, honestly, <laughs> it, what, and there's a saying on Ninja Warrior, when you have complete victory, it's Japanese, it's uh, Kansenseiha. Um, uh, you know, so you, you have that with this, I think I, I'm envious that you guys can do this every week. Um, you meet some great people, you know, we mm-hmm. talked about Charlie Stickney earlier. He's okay. I, by the way, cat, cat has officially dubbed me. If you haven't watched your latest YouTube, I'm the other Charlie. Um, oh, okay. so <laughs> I, in, in fact, I probably should change my name here. Shouldn't I? So no, no, uh, no. It's a, you're, <laughs> on this show. You're fine because that Charlie is just that guy. It was really sweet of him to bring me up last week. Yeah, He comes up enough. He doesn't need a name. Um, So no, our rule is all Charlies are invited. We can, we made that rule after Manson died because we were, he would be, he would have been a great guest. That man knew Uh, how to do TV. That's for sure. You're not wrong about that. Uh, I I do want to bolster what what you guys were saying about indie comics, though, Will and and Kevin both is, you know, like I I get into this and and I have guys like Charlie Stickney, Pat Shand, um, who don't treat me like anything less than an equal. Um, They're not condescending. They're educational. They're embracing. uh, They back and support a lot of both of them support every you know, since we've known each other, every project I've done, um, and it, it really is a great community. So for those of you watching, you know, indie comics is beautiful. Comics are not dying. Um, I, I, in fact, by the way, mainstream comics aren't even dying. I just saw a thing today that uh, since James Gunn came on board with uh, DC that, uh, yeah, Dan shared it and I shared it. And a couple of other people shared it, too. On my feed, they, they, they're tripling their numbers, uh, including books like The Authority, which wasn't even in print when Gun was announced uh, about the movie, and, or when the movie was announced. So, um, you know, comics is a great medium. Uh, get in and embrace this, and embrace each other, and don't think you're an island to yourself. You're not. You have so much, so much community around you. These guys are all—they're all part of my tribe, right? Um, so, anyway, that's my soapbox. I'll shut up. No, that's a, a you're. you're <laughs> 
we we will stand with you in in the uh, the marketplace and either echo you or, or just get out of the way because that's that's what it's all about. We're here to we're we're here to yeah. just like we're all here to tell our stories and read each other's stories and just you know what yep. find our audience and if 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 five of the people that read my books read wills that's awesome and if five yeah, of wills read mine it's awesome and you guys you, whatever you guys can cross over and just bring more because what i've always said is i never went into a comic shop because i loved batman and x-men and when there was an amazing fantastic four or avengers cover went no i'm here for <laughs> batman and x-men i went oh, and i added yeah, that third that. book and that's Dude. what it is with with the kickstarters is there's it's, it's it's like it's not it's not a zero-sum game we're all just trying to build 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 the addiction uh <laughs> as much as we can yeah yeah 100 so no i love that and, and it's funny you said that because this week i went in and i was i was like i'm just gonna get stuff in my box and i was like well i'll scan the aisle and you know yes i bought a, a metric crap ton of books. I got proposes, you know, Moon Knight, City of the Dead. Nice. Yes, it's a Marvel book. Most of my yeah, books but you, are you, in... you gotta get you gotta you, Dave, David. You gotta, oh, you gotta, you gotta, dude. Hey, it was great too. I didn't even tag him in my post, and he jumps on and goes, "Thanks for buying it." I'm like, "Okay, you're welcome." <laughs> Man, if you want to, if you want to learn how to market, uh, just watch David because he is as brilliant at marketing as he is at writing. But, but what's great is he's good at both. It's not just kind of like a carnival barker. Yeah, he's also he seems like a he's, cool dude. Yeah, he's 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 uh he's like a chef with a great restaurant, but the food is awesome. Uh -huh. Speaking <laughs> of which, uh, I'm gonna after this, I'm gonna go back watching the chef. I mean the the bear because that oh. show has. Uh, well, look, look, I'm late, okay, but I was like, okay, I resisted it, and then I finally watched like episode one last night, and so I watched two and three today, and I'm gonna watch four after this show because it's like, you're it's so damn good. You're faster than me because all I know is that it exists. Well, yeah, I, me too. I have I have a TV. I have a TV, film, comics backlog a mile long, so. Mm -hmm. Slowly take my way out of that. Um, I you have you have a whole lifetime to catch up, you young little. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm trying also. I have like what two episodes now of my Adventures of Superman to get through. Hmm. What's that going to take long? It's going to take less than an hour. <laughs> oh, get in there. Oh, Charlie Fro. All right. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Hopefully, he gets back because I think we're going to let you guys get to to Superman and the Bear and. Uh, I'm going to fill up my tea and I'm going to read a little bit of Dave Girl Storyteller and I'm going to go to bed myself. Uh, gentlemen, loved having you, loved meeting you. Charlie, uh, I see you back. Sorry. Yes, that's okay. We uh, we were actually saying goodnight, but but I'm happy you're you're here so you don't just like show back up and we're all gone like like a yeah. like a reverse surprise party. Yeah. What? <laughs> So the power went out. <laughs> no, oh, really? Wow. And, uh, sorry about that. Yeah, my, yeah, no, my power totally went out. I was like, uh, what the heck? And so I ran upstairs. I had to make sure my kids were all good. So because I don't want them yeah. panicking. My, my six-year-old son's like on his phone going, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and your siblings? Uh, uh, <laughs> well, of... Yeah. When the blackout in like 2005, 2006 happened, well, it was 2000, early 2000s happened here yeah. in 
in New York and Northeast. So we had rented Clue from Blockbuster. We were watching on. The, now we had our fuse blew in the house like a week or two prior. So we thought, oh, the fuse blew again somehow. It was like middle of summer, so this happens. And my mom was like, oh, I'm going to go get a fuse from the hardware store. I'll be back in five seconds. She leaves the house, sees that the all the traffic lights are off. Comes back in the house, like, I don't think it's just the house. <laughs> I I actually, all right, we were going to close it down, but I actually lived in New York City during that blackout. And I was bartending on 109th in Amsterdam. It's a restaurant that's closed now, probably because I don't work there anymore, called the Amsterdam Cafe. I loved it to death. Um, so we lose power, just like you ever, you know, it's New York City. You lose power sometimes. So we find out it's citywide. All right, well, that's weird. That's a lot. And someone tells me the power's out from here to Albany. I went over to, because um, there wasn't cell service, it was very bad. I went over to the payphone. I dialed collect. I called my mom and I said, hey, mom, I just want you to know that the power is out from Manhattan to Albany. And the only way I can think of that happening is if there's either a nuclear meltdown or a attack of some kind. <laughs> and this is after 9-11, you know, that we'd all lived through. And I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I love you. Because <laughs> I literally thought oh. that, um, was it Three Mile Islands, a couple miles north Indian of Indian Point. Indian, Indian Point. I thought. No, it doesn't work anymore. Because my, my dad is the lawyer for you guys. Okay. Utility workers and they shut down in your point. Okay. So I mm -hmm. literally thought there might be a nuclear meltdown when I found out because I didn't know that there could be too much heat in Cleveland and a and a you know something got tripped and then the entire northeast could lose power. I didn't know that that could happen. Um, which is you know, it, it's only fine in your defense. I don't think yeah. anybody did. Yeah. <laughs> my dad had to walk from Chelsea back here to Flatbush. That's Jesus. a slip and a half. And our borough president, Marty Markwood, so they're sitting on, on the Brooklyn end of the Brooklyn Bridge going, welcome home. The borough hall is open for drink, cold drinks, and for phone calls. Somehow my dad's, uh, my, one of my dad's kind of co-workers, Ruthie, somehow managed to get a hold of my mom. Managed to get a hold of him. Managed to get a hold of my mom. Hmm. And we were trying, kind of playing telephone with her because it's funny because she's all the way in Las Vegas. Yeah. So it's like... <laughs> It was, neat to, it, was, it was so neat to walk around because you're going past the, the little bodegas and they're just handing out ice cream because it's going to melt anyway. So yeah. they just give you a, you know, a little, you know, like thing. And I, I, I went home. I took a ice cold shower because there was no hot water left. Changed, went back to the bar, bartended all night by candlelight. We only allowed people we knew um, knew in. So we were like, a, you know, like a speakeasy. And, uh, you know, just kind of wrote down what people drank, no cash, no, no cards, just like you're a regular, you had eight beers. It was, it was a great night bartending. Once, once I knew I wasn't going to die of radioactive poisoning, it was a great <laughs> night. Um, and I mean, know, it could so. always have been worse. It could have been like the 70. And I at least keep some hours from this. Donate blackout. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see any, there was nothing, uh, in my, and I really didn't yeah. hear of anything of any, violence any fighting any nothing it was like the whole city was just yeah. like yeah we're like, in this together it was it was neat because my parents really went oh no what if this is like the 70 something blackout because they lived through that right mm -hmm. 
My dad remembers he was sitting at a movie theater, I guess, watching, I think he was watching like an old film at one of those, you know, kind of theaters. A porno film, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> you in New York in the yeah. 70s, there wasn't a movie theater that wasn't porno. Come on. <laughs> and the movie goes, and I think it's just the movie theater goes out. And the, the guy here from the director is like, uh, the entire city's out. <laughs> Somehow I got back to his apartment, I think it was in Chelsea, the of course, in Chelsea, so you had to walk all the way back there. This was like, you know, not the good old days. Uh, my favorite story of the um, of that blackout is that Superman the movie was filming at the Daily News building. Okay. They in, had generators. In the, 70, in the 70s. Yeah, this is 77. Okay, gotcha. 77, so the film uh, crew had generators. They led them to the Daily News, so the only newspaper which actually had a, you know, next morning paper out, was the Daily News. Just because your friend was filming. In the <laughs> because Daily of the Daily, Daily Planet, Planet, basically. Wow, that's neat. <laughs> awesome. Well, we, we, cool. can't, we can't beat that for a way to get out of here. So, gentlemen, it was great <laughs> to meet you. And uh, next time you have a campaign, just, just reach out. And as long as Will and I are still doing this, which, you know, we, we as long as we're, young enough to stay up this late, which could, could be ending next week, could be ending in 2026. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, we'd love to have you on. Yeah. All right. Thanks, well, Dan, Dan Thanks, will still everyone. be young enough to get back on, so you're fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dan, Dan, Dan might have to take over the show. So uh, yeah. <laughs> you might inherit it when Will and I pass. <laughs> 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 Good night, everybody. Good night, guys. <laughs>